Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Anna Reynolds. Anna attended the University of Dallas and received her master's in theology from Ave Maria University. She is a wife and mother who lives in a very proud, great state of Texas, and she writes at inspirevirtue.com. And Anna, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So I I saw your article that, that caught my eye in Crisis Magazine. It's called, Why Are Americans Having Fewer Children Than They Want? Um, and as I read the article, which I, I really appreciated, uh, wanting and doing are two different things when you really read that article, aren't they? Yes. And uh, people are quite surprised by the claim that people want to have more children. But um, what sort of launched my thought experiment in that article was some research asking people what the ideal family size is. And that is a hypothetical question. It's not asking about your specific family. It's asking about, in theory, what's the um, ideal family size. The data is a little bit muddied because it does have the option in some of those studies that it's however many children you want, which isn't a real answer. But even so, it's really interesting to note that in recent years, the number of people who say the ideal family size is three or more children has actually gone up at the same time as the birth rate has gone down. So there does seem to be kind of something that people desire, but they are not necessarily living out. Yeah, you know, it always it always bothers me when I hear people say, well, I have my boy and a girl and we're done. Like I have my two and, and, and that's it. It's really, um, you know, not being open to the Lord and the blessings he wants to give us. And I think you do a good job in the article of kind of explaining uh, all the all the ridiculous, not all ridiculous, but many of the ridiculous reasons for people to say, yeah, I would like to have more, but but two's all I can have. You talk about going on fancy vacations and and those type of things. It it really is people put their own um, wants and desires ahead of you know what the Lord is really wanting us to be open to, don't they? Yes, I think it is complicated by the fact that there are real social pressures and economic pressures that make it harder for people to have more children. Um, as the our standard of living has increased, there are things like what I mentioned in the article. Um, I found this through an article that Ross Dutat had written. These studies that where they refer to car seats as contraception, which um, sounds very odd, but what it means is. In recent years, we've made more and more regulations as far as the standards for car seats and the number of years that children need to be in car seats, and that does undeniably save some lives from traffic fatalities, which is a good thing. We could all agree on that. However, the challenge for anyone who has had several small children at one time is feeding all of those car seats into a standard car, and so it suddenly becomes not only are you paying thousands of dollars to have a child in the first place, but you are also then having to get a bigger car just to fit them all in all their car seats. Well, and you're right. I mean, the, you know, the economics of of having children only get more expensive. And you really talk about the, you know, in terms of cost of living and, and just how expensive it is. Really, we find that on the two coasts, don't we, where it really is exorbitant 
um, in terms of just trying to live, especially if you're trying to live on one salary, it, it can be a real challenge. Yes, and I encourage people because people will write to me and ask, um, you know, how they find a community of faithful Catholic people in certain parts of the country. And you certainly can. There are good people everywhere. However, it's a lot easier to find large, vibrant communities in places where it's easier to live. So um, I never thought that I'd be living in Texas, but my husband is a Texan. And honestly, it's just a lot easier to have more kids here because uh, people are still doing it. Um, so it's not an abnormal thing. And you can be part of a community where if someone has a baby or has surgery or has a crisis in a family, which as you add more children, there's all kinds of crises that can develop with just that many people, that many needs and the realities of life. If you're in a, a tight-knit community like that, people will bring you meals, people will watch your kids, and if you're in a community where most people, both parents are working, most families are small, people don't have the bandwidth for that, and they're not looking for that kind of connection because they don't know that they need it. Well, and, and also, let's, let's be honest, if you're talking about, you know, I grew up in, in the Philly area, but if you're talking the Northeast or a lot of other areas that tend to be more progressive, uh, it really is about, you know, self-comfort and having enough money to do whatever we want and, and the desire to have more children in those areas. I'm going to say nobody does, but a lot fewer people do than if you're in a, a place like Texas or somebody someplace in the you know middle America where, you know, they still value family at a much higher rate. Yes. And I think you see this uh, certain fancier neighborhoods or parts of the country you'll see one toddler walking with two parents and sometimes two sets of grandparents and you just look at it and like that is an image of so much of america so it's this inverted triangle where there's one child for all of these adults and uh it does become hard to make that adjustment to a very different lifestyle where there's a lot more kids and you're not going to be able to, you know, go to fancy brunch or do certain things easily. Um, so it is, it is a paradigm shift from if you've grown up in an urban area where it's not normal to have kids versus communities where there are still a lot of kids. Well, and, you know, it's, it's nice to grow up in an area where there are a lot of kids because then, you, you know, play groups and kids have people, you know, other kids to play with. And it, it does make life a little bit easier for us with when kids could go out and play with other kids and you live in a neighborhood that is, you know, pretty safe where they can go ahead and do that. And, you know, it really is, it is a mindset. And I hear a lot of people who, you know, they, they have the two incomes and, and they always want to have more money before they start having kids and they keep putting it off and putting it off. And, and the bottom line is there's never going to be a perfect time. And we just really do have to be open and, you know, be fruitful and multiply and let the Lord kind of guide this because we wait and wait and wait. And then in the end, time kind of runs out. You can only have one or two kids because you've waited so long. Yes, uh, that is feedback that I've gotten. Um, people have been very hurt and have kind of written to me to let me know that, you know, some people don't have children and it's not because they don't want them. And I certainly recognize that. Um, but what you are saying is an important point to note, which is there are people who had the opportunity to have children, but because of unrealistic cultural expectations of career, uh, financial advancement, 
and the idea of what is needed to have a child, they put it off and they, in a sense, squander that priceless opportunity to bring new life into the world. And that's kind of my motivation for writing the article is certainly not to make anyone feel worse if they have the cross of being childless uh, without that being in any way what they desired. Um, So there are, of course, many distinctions to make, but there is a large portion of the population who I think does not recognize the need to prioritize childbearing in the years when it can actually happen. Well, and, you know, I, I don't know if you had seen the clip. I don't know. It was several months ago. Uh, Chelsea Handler, this comedian who talked about how great love, life was without kids and kind of went through the day about I can do whatever I want. I can wake up whenever I want. And in reality, watching that, it was actually so much. It was sad. She meant it to be humorous, but it was such a sad, self-indulgent lifestyle that really you can see as they get older. And they have nobody around them. They have no family. You know those regrets are going to come in because their life ends up being empty and, you know, kind of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yes. And I think, you know, it's a little bit like eating junk food. It's great every once in a while to be self-indulgent, to uh, take it easy, to not have obligations. But that is not how we thrive. And if you only eat junk food, you're going to be nutritionally deficient. And if you are not challenging yourself and you're not sacrificing for other people, your life is going to feel empty. I think the thing that's kind of disturbing to me is how we've gotten so far away from a strong culture where people are connected to each other that a lot of people don't even recognize their own loneliness. So you can be in this very frivolous existence where you don't have real relationships with family members, you don't have close friends, and you don't even recognize that the pain you're feeling could be alleviated by these strong cultural, like just person-to-person connections. I think it's, it's not at all a wonder that the diseases of our age are depression and anxiety, which are conditions, many factors go into those, but one of them is almost certainly being isolated. That is going to make those worse. We know that raising kids can be a challenge, and I know you talk about it in your article, but, you know, whether it's sick kids, kids fighting, uh, you know, trying to get kids to go to bed at night, or, you know, boys who think they're great aim at the toilet and never hit it. Uh, There are all kinds of challenges. I remember our boys fighting and putting their knee through the wall, and I'm about ready to wring their necks. But, you know, the, the challenges are there, but the rewards so far outweigh those moments, and even those moments now, you look back and you laugh at them, don't you? Yes. I think the other thing that having children forces you to do is to really come into contact with yourself. Um, if you don't have kids around, it's very easy to convince yourself that you're a very patient person. You're always kind to people. You definitely don't have a temper. Uh, but then if you are living with little kids day in and day out, they, in their innocence uh, and their mischievousness, they have a way of uh, bringing you into contact with the things that you still need to work on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they they uh, provide many helpings of humble pie, uh, especially when you're out in public. Um, you know, you're you're young, but I, I I still remember kids getting sick in the middle of a restaurant and have to carry them out in their diaper and be like, oh my gosh. So there are are moments that we get to laugh when we tell them about it. But 
you know, the, it, we have to remember we were kids once, right? We were the ones driving our parents nuts. But how great is it to have brothers and sisters when we get older to be able to call and do things with and and have those big families where there's plenty to do and a lot of nieces and nephews and, and cousins. It, it, it really does make life worthwhile when you have these big families. Yes, and I, I think it is important to note not everyone is going to be able to have a large family. I think there is this terror that our culture has developed around fertility and the assumption that you will have 19 children if you don't very carefully plan out your life. But as many much more experienced people than I have pointed out, you will find as you go through life that many people don't get to have as many children as they want rather than having more children than they can handle. And uh, it is those large families who, flawed and imperfect as they may be, are really joyfully living out a life where they enjoy each other. As you said, those are kind of these staples in building community, that there's a lot of people, there's a lot going on, and people are so attracted to that. You know, we do, and, and you talk about, uh, you know, the challenges for those who can have children. It does seem, and I, you know, I have no data to back it up. But it just seems I know a lot more people than I used to when I was younger that so want to have kids, but through infertility and, you know, their efforts to, you know, go by, go, go about it in the way, you know, following the teachings of the church, it really is a challenge and a struggle for people who really want children and can't have them. It just seems like there's more of those people. I don't know if you've noticed that or that's just my imagination. Yes, I, like you, I have not seen any empirical data on this, but uh, anecdotally, it does seem much more widespread that people have issues conceiving or have these chronic health conditions that lead to other issues. And that's what makes it all the more tragic in a certain sense, that people who have the opportunity to have children choose not to because they think that it is somehow a burden to everyone else that they have more children or that they can't handle it um, or that they just don't want the inconvenience of having children. And children are young for such a short time. Yes. And the older you get, the faster time goes and you realize just how fast when you're in it and you're, you know, you're trying to divide and conquer and go to sporting events and other things. It, it seems like, you know, you're never going to be able to do it, but you know, in a blink of an eye, it's over. But, you know, you were talking before about, you know, the car seat situation. And I know many, many people who think, you know, for some reason, every child born has a right to have their own bedroom. When I grew up, there were three of us in one room and, you know, we didn't know any different. So it's not like, you know, kids have to have their own room. They have to have their own TV. You know, we put all these material demands on it, which even make having a child in our own mind even that much more expensive, don't we? Definitely. And I think we have to recognize as the culture moves to smaller and smaller family sizes, you have to face the reality that you will live unconventionally if you choose to have more children or be open to the possibility of more children, that you can't just do what everyone else is doing and expect it to work out because um, that does involve these massive expenses that are not necessary to the health and well-being of the child. And honestly, sometimes uh, the lavish things that we do for children really uh, inhibit their growth. And it is uh, like the family is a school of virtue, not only for the parents, but also for the children. This is where people learn 
to sacrifice for each other and to be part of something bigger than themselves. So these families where it is kind of set up to cater to the child's every whim, that is not in the best interest of that child. Well, and we see it in today's world, right? We see a lot of petulant children who parents want to be their friends. You know, they don't want to be the bad guy. They want to give them everything they want. And then they grow up to be, you know, non-functioning adults because they've never been told no. They've never had the challenge, right? They get showered with gifts. iPads become their babysitter. And I don't know about you, but I know with my kids at Christmas, you know, you'd buy them gifts, they'd unwrap the gifts, and they had more fun playing with the the cardboard uh, rolls that the wrapping paper came on than the gift we bought them. Always. (laughs) Trash is the best gift. (laughs) (laughs) That and, and Tupperware containers. I remember my wife would just open up the pantry when the kids were little, and they would go to town playing with Tupperware, be scattered all over the kitchen floor, but it was better than anything we could have bought at Toys R Us. Yes, I think it's amazing. Um, the fewer toys that kids have to play with, somehow the more they play. There's this trend right now uh, that's kind of like minimalism and decluttering, and more and more people are discovering they have the giant playroom where the kid is miserable and never has their board. They have nothing to do. They take out 90% of the toys, and suddenly the kid is in there for hours. And um, it's like playmates are so much more helpful than stuff. And we seem to forget that, and we want to provide the best for our children, and so we just buy them stuff. We, if we look at it honestly, we know that's making them unhappy. You know, the other, the other thing, and, and we're raising a grandson now, um, it's actually harder to have one because we, we find ourselves, my wife and I, having to be entertainment director. Like my grandson, hey, let's go play tackle football. Now, I did that a lot when the, my other kids were younger. Because I could bounce back and I knew I wasn't the one who was going to get hurt. But when they have brothers and sisters, then they have built-in playmates, right? They they learn from each other. It, it really is a, a very healthy environment. But when you only have one, we find it so much more challenging to be that inter- entertainment director all the time. And we really do our, our children a disservice when they don't we don't provide them at least the opportunity for the Lord to give us you know, brothers and sisters for them to play with, too. Yeah, you definitely have a point there. And I think part of that lack of perspective in our culture is a disconnection between generations. So it used to be more common for people to live in the same area that their parents grew up, close to their grandparents, to have aunts and uncles and cousins, and to have sort of like a, a strong understanding of a family identity. And I think there are advantages to having a hyper-mobile society like we do, but one of the major challenges is this idea that you can invent your own identity, you're supposed to come up with like a completely new way to raise your children, the way your parents did it wasn't good enough, and you don't have a sense of who you are and how your family does things. And I think in um, you see this with people who have one child, and they are shocked by how difficult it is. And so they say, well, I never want to do that again without realizing, well, the second one is almost always so much easier. (laughs) Like it just gets easier from there. The first one's the hard one. (laughs) Yeah, because you're kind of cutting your teeth on the first one anyway. And the first one, they make, you know, even a squeak and everybody jumps because you're worried, right? You become more uh, comfortable being a parent the more children you have. And and let's be honest, you know, 
even though it is can be chaotic, it really is fun. I mean, there's a lot of laughter. Um, and being a parent is is definitely, you know, a challenge. But the Lord gives us everything we need to to accomplish being the mother and father we need to be. And and having those intact families, which is ultimately the desire, we know that doesn't always work out that way. Uh, it, it really does provide and nourish these children and give them what they need, because at some level, we need to be modeling because they're going to be parents one day. And the more open we are to life, the chances of them being more open to life in- increases significantly, I would think. Yes, and uh, it is, you know, you don't have to enjoy every minute, but finding a way to really enjoy your state of life is uh I would say that's a moral obligation. You know, if you look miserable having kids, uh, that sends the wrong message. Like there are so many gifts there. If we find the support and the structure that we need in life to enjoy what God has given us. And um, I think also what you were saying about, um, children imitating us that yeah I mean that's the most terrifying thing about having kids is whatever you're doing that's what they're learning it doesn't matter what you tell them it's what you're actually doing and that is such a challenge to the individual to grow in virtue and to be the kind of person that you actually want to be Um, like I said if you don't have kids it's very easy to you know take care of yourself very well have a nap when you're tired always eat the right meals get lots of exercise and you feel like you're a, a really great person, but once you are not sleeping enough, you're not always eating well, you have some stress in your life, that's when the really real comes out. Well, and, and you know, children really do help us to become the best versions of ourselves when, when we approach it, just as you were talking about, right, that, that we are examples for them. And, and yes, they, one, they are uh, incredible sponges and they hear things you never thought that they were even paying attention on. But our actions do speak louder than our words. And, and it does help us, right, to deal, to be who the Lord's called us to be. And, and that love is that sacrificial love. And if it's all about my comfort, my money, and, and what I want, we'll never be the parents the Lord has called us to be. And as you were just saying, right, we won't be the models for our children if it becomes this selfish instead of selfless, right? Yeah. So we, you know, you look at what's going on and, and you talk about, you know, people wanting more kids and that desire. But you also mentioned in the article, right, that low birth rates, you know, continue throughout the Western world. So, you know, what we say and what we do can be two totally different things. And this this low birth rate, you know, we're not even at replacement value now. And we still have people complaining that the world is overpopulated. Yes, I think there is also just a fundamental misunderstanding. We think of a low birth rate as, oh, there's fewer people. And you see, I would say a small but vocal minority of people celebrating that there's fewer people. This is great. We're just going to return Mother Nature to what she was supposed to be and this like parasite of people will be removed. That's that's not most people you talk to, but they are very vocal and they want us to believe that it's this great thing that there's fewer people. What they don't realize is as you have a lower birth rate, you have a different kind of society, one in which you don't have 
young people who inspire innovation and development, interconnectedness, and growth. And, you know, a society that isn't growing is decaying. There really is no in-between. We see this in the countries that are sort of further down the road than us, especially Japan and South Korea and Italy are some of the examples where they already have a seriously aging population where people are isolated and their communities are just devastated by the loss of young people. I've seen it uh, in different places, even in Colorado and different places where you move into a community that has all these schools and they end up consolidating the schools and closing the schools because they don't have near enough kids to even fill the schools anymore. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the elderly and, you know, you don't have, you know, that's why they keep talking about Social Security going bankrupt, because we don't have another generation the size of the generation that's that's growing older to help fund a system that's supposed to, you know, where we hopefully get our money back, which, you know, who knows if I will one day, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, even in the economic uh, view of things, having less children and, and as you were talking about these other countries, it becomes a serious problem for employment and all other kind of things, doesn't it? Yes. And also just the uh, social isolation that occurs. And you see there's talk of developing robots that can take care of elderly people, but uh, human nature is not going to change anytime soon. And it's not that people want to be taken care of, it's that people want to remain meaningful and connected. Robots are not going to meet that need in the human heart to still matter. And so um, I think declining birth rates and the rise of euthanasia go hand in hand. It is ultimately people want control. That's part of why many people choose to have fewer children is to have more control over their life. And then at the end of life, sadly, control becomes choosing death instead of continuing the life that God is giving you for however long he chooses to give it to you. So there is uh, there is a really dark side to the uh, paradigm of control that we should be aware of. It's not something that you have control over. You only have control over your life and your choices. I would say find vibrant communities. They still exist. It's not hopeless. They're it, rather than kind of like wringing our hands and being upset about some trends, we can choose to be part of the culture that is thriving because that is what everyone ultimately is going to rely on. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.